Well, this weather we're having is a strange old thing. It's now, where are we, 21st of April. Trisha's birthday, actually. Wife's birthday, which is good. And it's 1 o'clock, 1pm. And we've got sunshine. Yesterday they said rain all morning, torrential rain. Dreadful weather, which is a shame because we were going over, well we did, to Arundel. We had a look round Swanbourne Lake. We had breakfast there. There's a little cafe place right on the edge of the lake, which was lovely. We then went on to the Wildfowl Wetlands Place, which is only a couple of hundred yards up the road from there. And we had a look round there, renewed our membership. Fantastic. The sun came out. In fact, the sun's out now. We got back here about 12 and the sun went in and it rained a bit for about, <laughs> about 20 minutes. And that was it. So you just cannot believe the weather forecast. I, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? So at the moment, it's 9 degrees centigrade, which is 48 Fahrenheit, 76% humidity, 10, 11, 1011 millibars. And the wind, well, there's a breeze. Oh, where are we? Let's have a look. A breeze from the east. Only a breeze. You know, a breath of air. Hardly a breeze. So what is the point of having a, <laughs> a weather forecast? Last night we were looking, oh no, tomorrow morning, oh dreadful. And I said, well look, you know, we laugh in the face of rain, doesn't matter, we'll put on our wet weather gear, we'll still stomp around Swanbourne Lake, we'll still walk around the wetlands and uh, look at the wild fowl, the birds and all that lot. And the sun came out, so there we are. Ignore the weather forecast, that's the moral of the story. Thanks for all your emails. Raise rants at protonmail.com. Raise rants, all one word, at protonmail.com. Lovely emails. I've read them all. I've answered them all, I believe. If I've missed any, my apologies. Now, house sitting. I've called this episode house sitting. It's not... Back in the 70s, I don't think there was such a term. There was babysitting and I think dog sitting, but house sitting wasn't a term back then. And I wasn't really house-sitting. Well, I was, but I wasn't. <laughs> That'll annoy some of you, I know. <laughs> Happy days. So what it was, friends of mine lived next door to me. They were going to Canada over there. Never been to Canada. I must make the trip one of these days. I'd love to go and have a look. So they went to Canada for a month. They were staying with relations. And they gave me the front door key. Just check up on the place, pop in now and then. Yeah, of course, no problem. So after... They'd gone, what, two, three days later. I just let myself in, had a look round. Everything was fine. Went out to the back garden, unlocked the back door, went out to the garden. Everything was fine there. That was it. Two or three days later, did the same thing. Just went and had a look. Any posts that had come, I took off the mat and put in the kitchen on one of the, the worktops there. The third time I went, one of the kitchen covered, you know, above the, the worktops where I'd put the posts, the, the cupboard door was open, open wide, completely open. I was sure I hadn't opened it. Why would I open it? I wasn't going to steal their food or tins of baked beans or whatever. Besides, they were Heinz beans and I've never liked Heinz. I used to like Cross and Blackwell. They were the beans. They really were. I was a bean connoisseur. My mother, when I was young, do you know what she did? I said, these beans aren't, aren't uh, Cross and Blackwell. They don't do Cross and Blackwell anymore. The ones to get now are Branston. They're really good. I said, these aren't Cross and Blackwell. Oh, yes, they are. She said, they are. I went to the bin in the, <laughs> in the kitchen and I pulled out this can. I said, what's this? Heinz beans. She said, oh, you're a devil, or words to that effect. You shouldn't go rummaging through the bin. I said, I told you they're not Cross and Blackwell. They're Heinz. Anyway, I wouldn't eat them. 
<laughs> obnoxious little devil I was. Oh dear, Heinz Beans. In fact, recently we went to a, a cafe. We know the people there. And he said, what are you going to have? And I said, I'm going to have this, that and this. And, and these beans, what make are they? He said, they're Heinz, they're good ones. I said, oh, I don't want them then. <laughs> and people were laughing. It was a group of us. We go there some we go there some Fridays. The rest of the family, uh, half a dozen of them, they go there every Friday morning for breakfast. We pop in now and then just to annoy people with my complaints about Heinz beans. Many years ago, when I was first married, I had some Cross and Blackwell beans and they weren't right. They weren't right at all. I don't know whether it was a bad batch. Anyway, I wrote to Cross and Blackwell and I said, these beans taste like Heinz, <laughs> which was a bit of an insult. And what happened? I got a letter back, all oh, apologies, blah, 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 and a box of a dozen cans, 12 cans of uh, Cross and Blackwell beans. They sent me this parcel turned up with a letter inside. Wonderful. Anyway, back to the house sitting. I hadn't opened that cupboard, so I closed it again. I was sure I hadn't, but, you know, we all make mistakes. Perhaps it was open already. I hadn't noticed it. I wouldn't have thought so, but there we are. I gave the cupboard door the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> as you do to a cupboard door. When I, I closed the door, when I went back next time, the door was open again. In fact, two doors were open, one the other side of the room as well, one of the, the wall cupboards above the worktops. My thought was someone else has got a key. They've given a, a key to someone else who has also popped in to check. I thought that odd because they would have told me, they would have said, look, you know, someone else might pop in as well. If you see anyone coming in or someone parking outside and walking up the path, don't worry about it. So I, I don't know. I thought it odd, but that, that was the only explanation. So I closed both the doors, checked around, everything was fine. Again, I waited two, three, four days, whatever it was, went back in. Another door was open in the kitchen. So this time I, I'm thinking, you know, this is not good. Someone's getting in. Someone's doing something. I checked the back door. That was locked firmly. I went upstairs. Everything was secure. No problems at all. So what I did, I locked the front door. There were some bolts on the inside. I bolted it and I went out of the back door. This is the days before double glazing. I went out of the back door, took the key with me and locked the back door, hopped over the garden fence to my garden. Two or three days later, I went in the back door. Cupboard doors are all closed. I thought, that's it. That's it. Someone, whoever it was now, can't get in. I thought it all very, very odd at this stage. Obviously, it was weird. Someone was getting in there. Anyway, now I'd locked the front door. Whoever it was with a spare key, they couldn't get in. I just went upstairs to have a look. All the doors upstairs were closed. The bathroom or the bedroom doors, the study, all closed. And they weren't closed before because I'd been up there. So I, I left them all closed. <laughs> I went back downstairs. I closed all the room doors, went back out of the back door. A bit of a long story, this. But I'm just emphasising on how I double-checked everything. And the next time I checked, all the doors were open in the house. The bedroom doors, all the doors were open. So I didn't know what on earth was going on. Over the next, what, three weeks or so until they got back, various things were moving about. Doors were open, doors were closed. Things were taken out of the cupboard and put on the worktop, then put back in the cupboard. It was, I don't know, I just didn't know what to do. Anyway, when they got back, I tidied up in the kitchen. I put everything back in the cupboards. They got back. Uh, Derek, the chap, was unloading the car. And Wendy, I saw her outside. I went, uh, went over, gave her the key. And she said, did anything strange happen while we were away? 
So I said, uh, no, what do you mean? Strange. She said, in the house, anything happen? So I said, uh, no, nothing happened. I, I'm not quite sure what you mean. And she said, oh, no, no banging around or anything like that. Nothing moved. So I said, OK, yes. And I told her what had happened. Oh, don't worry about that, she said. That's our resident ghost. Resident ghost? I said, what do you mean, re resident ghost? She said, it's been happening for years. And I said, well, you've never mentioned that. You know, we were quite good friends living next door to each other. She said, no, we've never mentioned it to anyone because they'd think we're balmy. They'd think we're daft if we told them we've got a, a resident ghost. And she said, the ghost is quite friendly. Sometimes it tidies up the kitchen, puts things away. Other times it gets things out of the cupboards. And I said, well, you should have told me about this. I, I wonder what on earth was going on. I said, I've spent the last month completely bemused, perplexed and whatever else. <laughs> I asked her whether they'd ever seen the ghost. She said, oh, no, we don't see anything. We just find things have moved. Doors are left open, doors are closed. And I said again, well, I wish you'd told me because I thought someone else was getting in. Someone else had a key. And she said, why did you say nothing was wrong originally? And I said, well, I didn't want to worry you. I said, obviously, someone was, I thought someone was getting in and I just didn't want to worry you. And Derek, her husband, as he's unloading the car, taking suitcases in, he said, oh, you've, you've had experience of Harriet then. And I said, Harriet? And she said, oh, that's what we call the ghost, Harriet. <laughs> I said, it might be a male ghost. <laughs> and that was that, you know, whenever we bumped into each other or when I have a drink together or whatever. Sometimes we'd do a barbecue and they'd come round and... I'd say, you know, how's Harriet doing? Oh, yes, fine, yes, mucking around in the kitchen as always. There we are, most, uh, most peculiar. Now, do you remember the other week? Was it last Sunday? I don't even know what, where we are day-wise. We're getting into May, aren't we? Where are we? 21st. We've only got a few days or a week or whatever it is, and we're into May. That's incredible. We're off on holiday whenever to the Isle of Wight. That'll be good. That's not far away. I, I forget when that is. I don't know where the year's going. We've got tadpoles in the pond still. They're getting large. Now, I can't see any legs sort of growing out of the back bit of the tadpoles. I remember that as a kid. It used to be fantastic. Go over the woods to see the tadpoles in the pond. Oh, look, they've got legs growing out of the back of them. And they get bigger. Every time I went over there, they were bigger and they had more legs. Well, not more. They only had four. They didn't have eight legs or any frogs with eight legs. But they're getting bigger which is good, but it's still cold sometimes. Yesterday morning, out in the garden, hot in the sunshine, beautiful day, lovely weather, got more of a suntan. By the afternoon, cold came indoors and we actually put the heating on for half an hour to take the chill off the house. It was that cold. That's the trouble, isn't it? As Well, if you live in the UK, you know what I'm talking about. One minute you're putting a winter coat on to go out. Next minute you're going out in shorts and T-shirt. <laughs> you don't know what to do. What we do now is leave in the car this time of year. Leave winter coats in the car as well as a light sort of jacket, something like that. So whatever the weather, we're prepared. If the sun comes out, we're OK. If it starts freezing and snowing, we're OK. <laughs> but no, it's not quite that bad. But it's nice to have a thick coat and also a light jacket just in case. What I was going to say was, do you remember I asked people about ghost stories? Do you have any ghost stories? Well, heard from Sarah. Hello, Sarah. She's got a bit of a ghostly tale, which I shall tell you in a minute when I've found my notes. I haven't got many notes this week. I've only got this one from Sarah. Thanks for your email, Sarah. 
Uh, yes, what was it? Your your ghostly tail. Well, it's not a tail, is it? It's a strange thing with her cat. Now, this goes back a few years. The cat, sadly, is no longer with them. The cat used to climb up onto the garage roof. OK, this was like the side of the house. Then from the garage roof, leap up to a windowsill and then climb up the wall, basically, to the open a hopper, like a hopper window, you know, the long window at the top, not the big one, and it would go in through there. But it was quite a sort of precarious thing to do, really, climb up onto the garage roof, up onto the window ledge, and then basically up the wall <laughs> through the window. And the cat sadly passed away. So they started to leave the window closed during the day when they were out at work, they only left it open for the cat. Now what happened was they heard a tapping noise. When they're downstairs, the window's closed, they're in from work, they've had their meal, and there's a tapping upstairs, tap, tap, tap. They went up there, well, it sounded like the cat, because sometimes if the window was closed, the, the cat would tap on the glass. You know, the funny thing is cats, aren't they? This is, a, again, before double glazing, it's going back a while. Now, Sarah says, this is ridiculous, I know, but what we did, we thought it was the cat, the ghost of the cat, so we left the window open. Now, she says, I know everyone's going to be laughing when you tell them this. That's why we haven't told anyone. And no one knows who we are. So it doesn't matter whether you're laughing at us or not. <laughs> well, no one's laughing at you. So, oh, I am, aren't I? No, I'm not. OK, so they left the window open. And then what they found was, when they got in from work, left the window open, there were paw prints. If it had rained, there were muddy marks. A cat had been in. Now, it's not as she says, it was not the ghost of their cat. There's no such thing as ghosts of cats. It must have been another cat. But there was never any sign of a cat anywhere. They searched the house. They kept the, the bedroom door closed. So if another cat was getting in, it couldn't go any further, only the bedroom. They never, ever found a cat anywhere. And even at the weekends, they'd hear tap, tap, tap. So they'd go in there, open the window, close the bedroom door, and then keep looking in there. There was no cat but there were paw prints. So there we are. Can't explain that. Inexplicable is a good word. Inexplicable. That's interesting, Sarah. Thanks for that. No one else has contacted me with ghostly tales or stories or inexplicable. It's a difficult word to say, isn't it? No one else has contacted me. So thank you for that, Sarah. Oh, just one thing. I missed something. Oh, by the way, I called you Sarah just now. It's difficult reading. Sarah and Sarah are very similar, aren't they? Anyway, you're, you're Sarah. I forgot this bit. They used to put a bowl of cat food down in the bedroom. OK, and the cat food was never touched, never, ever touched. And yet the muddy paw prints were inside on the windowsill inside. So that makes it even more mysterious, doesn't it? Excellent. Sometimes things that seem inexplicable at the time turn out to have a perfectly reasonable explanation later on. But I really, hang on, we've got news flashes now, what's happened. I really don't understand about that cat business. That's odd. What's this? Oh, someone, someone's resigned from the government. Goodness me. There's people resigning and people, <laughs> some people are lying and oh, I don't know what's going on. Well, I say some people. Anyway, we don't want to talk about the government. When I was a child, what, 10, 11 years old, our neighbour reckon that she'd been broken into. Now these, again, obviously days before double glazing and burglar alarms, security lights, security stuff everywhere. No alarms would go off. You, know, you could rattle the front door. You could try and get in one of the windows. Nothing happened. No alarms, nothing. 
unlike these days, you just walk past a house. In fact, our house, you just walk past our house on the pavement. Don't come anywhere you know, up the driveway or anything. And our front security light comes on. <laughs> so it's always coming on and off at night. But that's OK. That's, that's the whole thing, isn't it? That's what it's all about. But then you could walk down the side of a house into the back garden. Nothing. No lights came on. No one would know you were there. And this woman, she was elderly. She lived with her sister. And they were both convinced that someone was sneaking around the back of their house in the evenings when it was dark getting in through one of the windows. Now, they were, I don't know whether you remember, only if you live in UK, crittle windows. Do you remember those? You could, basically, you could just poke something thin through the, the window and lift the catch. Now, that's before credit cards. No one had credit cards back in those days. So we are going back in time. Well, yes, I said I was, what, 11, something like that. When was that? Early 60s? I don't know when it was. So someone could well have been lifting the latch on one of these critical windows. They were everywhere. They were in factories and office blocks and houses. Everywhere had critical window. Is it C-R-I-T-A-L or O-L? Critical. Everywhere had them. <laughs> so easy to get into the property. And they were convinced. And what they did, was my father suggested it. He said, look, tape up the windows inside. Put tape across, sellotape, sticky to any tape anything so if it's been opened you'll know because the tape will be ripped and they did that and the tape was ripped I remember one morning at the weekend they came oh look oh come and have a look come and all these two old dears goodness me they were in a right state so my dad went in I went in after him it used to smell in their place they used to cook uh, fish for their cats but they did also this is disgusting fish custard have you ever tried fish custard I certainly haven't. I wouldn't. It, it just, the whole thing sounds disgusting. Fish custard. And their whole place used to stink of fish. And outside, even in their garden, in our garden, you could smell this. Anyway, the fish custard. So we went in and sure enough, the sellotape that they put across, it had come off. Now, the thing is with those windows, if you went back out of the window, you could close it from the outside. Just leave the handle up. And as you close the window, rattle the window a bit and the handle would drop down. So you wouldn't know whether anyone had been in or out or not, except for this tape they put across. So what, uh, what my dad did, obviously someone was going in. They said nothing was stolen. They checked their money. They checked everything. Nothing had been stolen, but they reckoned that it was a regular occurrence. So what he did, the two window handles, he put a, a chain across and a padlock across these two window handles. You couldn't open them from the inside or the outside. And that was that. It didn't, you know, obviously it didn't happen again. But that wasn't ghostly. That was definitely someone prowling about at night. People used to prowl about at night then. I know they do now. We've had our car door tried on more than one occasion because various people around here, they've got the ring doorbells. And we've got a, a WhatsApp group. Some people put these videos up on the WhatsApp group. Two o'clock in the morning, people in hoodies, sneaking around, trying car doors. So we always double check that ours is locked and there's nothing of value in there. So people prowling around at night is nothing new. I don't know whether I told you in one of the previous episodes. There are so many episodes now, I forget what I have told you. One evening, we were standing outside. It was a lovely summer evening, getting dusk. The sun was going down, dusk was coming, and a chap over, we were in the front garden, and this chap 
was looking through a window opposite. He'd parked his bike outside and was looking through a crack in the curtains. Uh, it was the lounge window on the place opposite. So my dad shouted out, Oi, you, <laughs> as you did in those days. And this chap looked round, saw my dad and myself standing there. Again, I was, what, 10, 11? And he rushed over to his bike, got on his, and cycled off down the road like a maniac. He was a peeping Tom. They don't call them peeping Toms. I don't, don't know. Do we still have peeping Toms? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he was looking at. It was just some lady there, a school teacher, I think it was. She lived on her own. So I don't know what he was peeping at. I said back in those days, no one had burglar alarms or security alarms. What I did uh, with my first house, our first house, I made my own alarm, put uh, little micro switches on the front door, the back door and on the windows, all wired up, of course, there was no wireless stuff back then, all wired up to a, a bell, a relay box and a bell. So whatever you opened, the relay would click, make the circuit and the bell would ring. Of course, we never got broken into, which was a shame in a way, because I, I wanted to catch the burglar, the bell ringing. The thing to do, though, is people have often said, why don't you have a camera outside? The thing to do is just have a deterrent. A camera, all you're going to see is people in hoodies. You're not going to see who they are. If they come anywhere near our house now, the outside light comes on, or the back garden lights come on, plus this alarm, woo, 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 it goes off as you approach the front door. I mean, not loud as to wake the entire street, but loud enough for whoever it is to be aware that you know this thing has gone off. So if anyone's approaching our front door with some sort of dastardly deed in mind, they'll hear this thing and probably turn around and run. That's the idea of it anyway. And sometimes we do hear it go off at night. I leap out of bed, rush through to the front uh, room here, my studio, my air-conditioned high-tech studio, and look out of the window, and all I see is a cat or a fox. I've never actually seen anyone, because they set it off. Or if a bird flies past the, the sensor, which is up on the house, it goes off in the middle of the night, woo, woo, woo. Actually, birds don't seem to fly around much at night. That's more in the day, because we leave it on in the day as well. If we're out in the back garden, we leave the woo-woo alarm, as we call it, we leave it on. Because in the summer, I mean, the police have said in the summer, don't leave windows open in the front of your house while you're out in the garden, because someone will nip in, nick bits and pieces, your telly or whatever they can find, and hop out through the window again, and they've gone. And you've, you're none the wiser. You don't know. You don't know anything about it. Till you find your telly's missing. <laughs> They'd have a job to nick our telly. Well, most tellies these days, they're huge things, aren't they? Complete change of subject now. Old cars from the, the 50s, the 60s. Hello, Mark, if you're listening. I have just replied to you. Sorry for the delay. I've been so busy recently. What with Trisha's birthday and so much going on. Stuff in the garden happening and things growing and then it's raining and then it's not. I've just been so busy with everything. But Mark was talking about old cars. I remember I always wanted the Ford Zodiac or the Zephyr. They were these straight six-cylinder engines. Beautiful cars. Looked like American cars. But it was something I never actually got round to owning, which is a shame. I had a Morris Oxford. Uh, was it the Morris or the Austin 1100? An MG Magnet, the Farina-style MG Magnet. That was fantastic. I wish I kept that. 
What else did I have? Riley, 1.5. The Wolsey, was, they were nice. Wolsey cars. The police used those, didn't they? You look at any old police programmes, like Miss Marple or whatever, where the police are in it, they've all got the Wolsey cars. And the badge on the front, on the radiator grill, it lit up when you put the side lights on. Fantastic. They were good. I think they were BMC, weren't they? Is that British Motor Corporation? Not too sure. I think that's what it stood for. The reason I'm banging on about old cars is because Mark uh, from Dublin there has sent me an MP3, an audio recording. Now, why haven't the rest of you? I've been on about audio recordings. I've had a few, haven't I? Nick up in Shetland and one or two other people have sent them in. So it would be nice. It just breaks up the you know monotony of listening to me droning on all the time. Nice to have someone else, especially Mark with his lovely Irish accent. Absolutely fantastic. Well, Mark actually does voiceovers, so that's that's pretty good. Anyway, let's go over to Mark and you'll find out why I'm going on about old cars. Ray, how are you? It's Mark from Dublin in Ireland. I thought I'd share the subject of cars with you today, not to be a bore or anything, but just how they can impinge on your memories, particularly your formative ones. First memory I have is my father was an Irish army officer and consequently he was serving in the United Nations. So we had to go overseas. I think we were living in County Kildare at the time and I wasn't far off being a baby. And I remember lying in front of an open fire, playing with my dog's ear. And I think the dog's name was Major. And it was a big dog and it was very gentle. And I loved him. Um, but he had to be given away because we were going overseas. So I'm lying there and a car pulls up and two guys get out of it. My mum talks to them and poor old Major was led away. But I noticed th- where the engine would be. And Major was put into that section of the car and I remember even as at that age thinking that's strange you know a- an engine should be in there not a not a a boot or whatever they used to call it a trunk so it only came to me years later that it was a Volkswagen of course because that was their kind of setup engine in the back a trunk in the front that was one memory uh, the other one I had is again back to dad A car he had was an Austin Cambridge. Do you remember those? They had an attempt at being an American car because they had a big kind of tail fin lights at the back. His was a black one with a grey stripe and a kind of an arc down the side of it. And there was something really robust and sturdy about that car. And right over where he'd sit, there was a, a greasy stain, the shape of his head. And that was because, like a lot of men back then, he used brill cream. So every time he sat in the car, the top of his head rubbed off the uh, the roof. One day I was pottering around and I found this thing under, under his driver's seat. And I pulled it out and it was a big rubber truncheon, right? Uh, I said to him, Dad, what's what's this? And he said, that, my son, is a Congolese man's police baton. And he said, I'll tell you something. He said, if anyone comes near this car, they're going to get that across the head. So that's the kind of guy he was. No messing, you know. Lovely man, and I do miss him. Um, there was a sturdiness about that car. If you pulled the handbrake, you knew that thing wasn't going to go anywhere. I remember that. And I could still see the logo in the center of the steering wheel. But also, if you had shorts on, as we all did when we were about five, six and seven, you didn't have the long trousers yet, you had the shorts on. And if you jumped in unwittingly on a really summer's day on that red leather, which was roasting hot, your bum was in for a roasting. So I do remember that. One other one, real quickly, is the Woolsey. The neighbours had a Woolsey. And uh, I was 
just curious whether a big piece of glass under the wheel of their woolsey, which they treated like gold every Sunday, they cleaned this thing top to bottom. And I was, it wasn't even a nasty thing. It was like an experimental thing on my part. I snuck out one day, stuck this big chunk of glass under their wheel, kind of forgot about it until somebody over dinner casually mentioned that our next door neighbours had a serious puncture. And I went, hmm. That actually worked. Thanks for your time, Ray. Maybe your listeners can remember things like Vauxhall, Vivas, Anglias, Ford Escorts, the Zephyr, who remembered the Zephyr, bubble cars. I don't know. It's just something that came to mind. Thanks for your time. And as you'd say yourself, ha ha. Is that what I say? Ha ha. <laughs> ha ha. Happy days. That's what I say. Struth, Stone the Crows. Excellent, Mark. Bubble car. A friend of mine had a bubble car. Do you know what he did? He had a sunroof in it and he used to drive along the A27 here, standing up, steering the car, obviously holding onto the steering wheel, but he stood up. Uh, he was standing up out of the sunroof, driving this bubble car, foot on the accelerator, hands on the wheel, standing up. It was such a funny sight. I remember passing him. I was going in the other direction. I thought, I know that's Pete. I know who that is. That's Pete in his bubble car. And he's standing up grinning. <laughs> it was such a funny sight. Of course, we you know we didn't have video cameras back then, but um, I had the Austin Cambridge, I uh, know the Morris Oxford. You mentioned the Austin Cambridge. I had the Morris Oxford. It was all BMC, wasn't it? My dad bought a Westminster. Uh, was it Austin Westminster? The six, uh, six cylinder, three litre thing, automatic. He paid £23 for it. It was a bit of a wreck. I mean, mechanically, it was lovely. The body was a bit rough. Not rusty, just it hadn't been you know, cleaned or polished in years. And I used to borrow this Austin Westminster. What a machine that was. It really did move. Six-cylinder, three-litre engine under the bonnet. That was great fun. He also had a Jag that I used to borrow. That impressed the girls. I turn up in this Jaguar. That was automatic, of course. 4.2 litre engine. That was Stone the Crows. It used to drink petrol. <laughs> and uh, what was it? It was a 420. I don't know the Jag model numbers. It was a, a 420, which I suppose was 4.2 litre. But lovely, ever so light steering, power steering. Of course, all my cars, they didn't have power assisted steering. You know, if it, when you're parking, it really was where you build up your muscles and your arms trying to park the car but uh, one car I did have was another Morris Oxford which was automatic and the, the the gear shift or the automatic you know neutral park drive reverse all that lot normally it's on the floor isn't it a big clunk clunk lever this had the little stick on the steering column and a little window it said R N P D whatever it said and that was fantastic it, it was electrical it worked solenoids or something that I loved. I don't know why they don't all have that. Quite a few cars did. But now they all have this huge stick thing uh, on the floor. You know, what, what's that point of all that? Why not have the little thing on the steering column? I much prefer that. I've got a note here about celery soup. I'll, I'll tell you that in a minute. But no, it really was fantastic. The, the, the Jaguar was lovely to drive. And as I said, it impressed the girls. You know, they'd say, I mean, to go, I'd say, oh, what car have you got? I don't know why they're always interested in what car I had. I'd just say, oh, a 420 Jag. Oh, really? <laughs> of course, then I'd have to borrow my dad's Jag to take them out. <laughs> because I, I couldn't take them out in the Morris Oxford. 
Anyway, there we are. Happy days. My first car was a Hillman Minx, 1954. Did you hear my neck crack then? Struth. 1954 Hillman Minx. Column change. One reverse gear, of course. Three forward gears. That was a brilliant car. Old side valve engine. Fantastic. Uh, that's, that was good fun. Of course, burglar alarms or security alarms started coming in, didn't they? For cars, you'd fit your own security alarm. I remember my son. Now, here's the thing. He would say, here's the thing. He had an alarm on one of his cars and he said, go near my car. So I did. I sort of went near it and it said, this voice said, move away from the vehicle. Oh, <laughs> wherever you went near it, move away from the vehicle. That was great fun. I, I don't know. But uh, that was, I, I've never heard that since on any car. I know if you rock a car or bump up against it, you set the alarm off. But I've never heard one actually speak to you like that. I enjoyed that. Do you know, we went out for a meal yesterday in the evening. Eight, no, 20 of us in the end. 20 of us, all family, went out for this meal. <laughs> it was great fun. While we were waiting, uh, we waited outside the restaurant for everyone else to turn up. And there were a group of girls, what, five or six girls, teenage girls, and one had a pram with a baby in it. And the girls were talking. I'm just standing there with some of the family. And the girls were talking. They were saying, oh, let's go here. No, let's go there. I'll tell you what, we'll go there. We'll go down that pub. Then we'll do this. Then we'll do that. Obviously planning their evening. And this girl with the pram, I was sort of looking at her out of the corner of my eye, you know, not staring at her. And she looked sad. And I thought, I know why. It's because she's got this baby. It was hers because from what they were saying, it was her, her baby. And they said, OK, well, we'll, we'll see you then. And she said, oh, yes, all right. Yeah, I better get home. Got to get home, feed the baby. And oh, she mentioned something about her mum. So she obviously lived at home with her parents, or at least her mum. And she wandered off with this pram. And the other girls, as they started to walk off, they were saying, oh, isn't it a shame? What a shame she got pregnant. What a stupid thing to do. And they wandered off, going to wherever they were going. And I thought it was sad. I watched her with the pram walk off. You know, oh, it's such a shame, isn't it? To, for youngsters, I don't know. I don't know. It happened in my day. You know, it's nothing new. Teenage girls got pregnant in my day. But it just seems such a shame because they lose a lot of their young... Well, not lose. I mean, they've got the baby to look after. But, you know, the clubbing and the, the going out with friends and all that, it ends, doesn't it? You can only go out now and then. You've got to get a babysitter. And there we are. I just found that quite sad. Now, celery soup. Do you know you can't get celery soup? Heinz? All the different makes, you know, the supermarket's own brand. They don't do celery soup. They used to. I don't know why. Anyway, Trisha makes her own. Oh, the evening meal was for Trisha's birthday, of course. She makes her own celery soup, which is really nice. But why have they stopped doing it? All right, it's not everyone's choice, I know. But uh, I like celery soup. I did message one supermarket once on, on eBay, not eBay, on uh, Twitter. You know, if you put uh, put their thing, you know, like at whatever supermarket, then they read it. They always read Twitter comments. I put, where's your celery soup? Why don't you do that anymore? And this person answered saying it must have been out of stock. Uh, if they don't get it back in stock there, try another store. It'll be one of our other stores. Well, it's not because they don't do it. They can't even answer the, the thing properly. But not to worry. OK, what's next? Where are we? About 35 minutes in, aren't we? I've been out in the garden. Oh, by the way, it's Saturday now. No rain. They said rain all day. This happened yesterday, didn't it? Oh, rain all day Saturday. Now, now they reckon rain all day tomorrow, Sunday. 
which is when you'll be listening to this, of course, unless you listen to it later in the week. I've been creosoting. I stink. <laughs> I stink of creosote. Not fish, fish custard. Oh, no wonder the, the burglars never nicked anything from that house. They probably opened the window, took one whiff of the fish, fish custard and did a runner. <laughs> it was foul. It really was foul. I lived next to, this is going back a while. I'm not going to mention where to protect the guilty. And every evening there was this waft of cannabis. Oh, lovely. What a lovely smell it is. Of course, I've given up smoking, so that no good to me. Otherwise, I'd have gone round there. You know, can I have some? No, I wouldn't. I'm an upright pillar of the community. What am I talking about? Struth. But it's a lovely smell. I love it. Trista, she hates it. She can't stand the smell of the, the cannabis, but I love it. Yeah, it used to waft every evening. It was into uh, into our house, into the garden and into our house. Wonderful. I don't know why I'm on about cannabis. I told you about yesterday, didn't I? Swanbourne Lake in Arundel. Had breakfast there in the wetlands. Uh, the Wildfowl Trust, that was lovely there. There goes an aeroplane. The weather is beginning to warm up. I know I'm always on about the weather. I'm allowed to because I'm a Brit. And that's what Brit to go on about. Listen to that plane. wonder where he's off to. I track them on this app. And a lot of them will just leave Shoreham Airport, fly around a bit, then go back. Some of them go over to Bembridge on the Isle of Wight and land there and do whatever they do. That's a quick way of getting there, isn't it? I mean, Shoreham's down the road from me. It only takes, what, 15, 20 minutes to get to the airport. Not even that. Hop into a plane, your private plane, nip over to Bembridge, and you're there. Of course, you haven't got a car when you get there, but you could hire one. Instead of all this driving to Portsmouth, get on the ferry. Uh, it's good fun, though. It, I like it. Once we're on the ferry, that's when the holiday starts for me. We're actually on the... It's like going abroad, isn't it? Except you don't need a passport. Did I ever tell you, a friend of mine... Uh, two friends of mine, they split up and the, the girl looked after the, the children and she was going to go to the Isle of Wight with her parents as a holiday, Her the two children and her parents. And her ex-husband got to hear of it and he said, you're not taking the children abroad without my say-so. And I said to her, he was joking, and she said, no, he wasn't. He thought the Isle of Wight was abroad and he had to have a passport. You're not taking the kids abroad without my permission abroad. <laughs> And that was true. That actually is true. I mean, talk about, well, I mean, I mustn't be rude about people, but uh, he must have been pretty thick to think the Isle of Wight was abroad somewhere. Just going back to MP3 uh, audio clips people have sent. There was Ian, wasn't there? Nick. What was it? Uh, the sol Was that Brett? The soldering one? Uh, I can't remember. That was a lovely one. The soldering one. I remember that. Yeah. So if any of you want to send me an MP3, if you don't know how to do it, just as I've said before, just on your phone, just do a video. If you cover up the lens, it'll just be a a video with audio and just a black screen. <laughs> so just send me that. MP3, MP4, whatever. WAV, anything. And I will sort it out. And then you can hear yourself instead of me, just for a change. That would be good. Raise rants at protonmail.com, of course. <coughs> Just spoken to a friend of mine on the radio. Oh, today, by the way, Saturday, is International Marconi Day. How about that? International Marconi Day. And a friend of mine, Ed, uh, Edmund, that's a lovely name, isn't it? He is uh, manning the radio station at Ambley Museum, which is good. He does put a lot of effort into ham radio and uh, associated things. Puts a lot, of, a lot of time and effort into it also. Good on you, Ed, if you listen. I think you listen to these. 
Anyway, I said to him, well, when you're there on Saturday, I'll give you a call on the radio. Loads of people calling in from all over the place, all over Europe. And uh, I popped in and said, hello, Ed, from uh, a few miles away down the road. So that's good. I was hoping again. I wanted to go and see him at Ambley. Missed him last time. But uh, next time I'll, I'll try and do it. There's always stuff going on, isn't there? I'm always saying that. Honestly, since we both retired, we, we don't stop. It's just non-stop every day. We've got a, a calendar, you know, an online sharing calendar thing. And every day we wake up, look at that. Oh, right, we've got this at 10. Oh, then we've got to go there. Then we're doing this. Then we're doing that. I don't know. I have been doing a lot of work in the garden, though. In the old days. Oh, yeah, by the way, I've just worked out, <laughs> roughly, that the money we've spent on uh, topsoil and compost and building this raised bed, this brick raised border, all this stuff we've spent, and you know, the seeds, the plants and everything, our, our cabbages, when they're eventually ready, they're going to be about £20 each. Radishes will be a pound each. The money we've spent, good grief. Spring onions, oh, ordinary onions, all that lot, they're two quid each. <laughs> no, seriously, though, the initial outlay, obviously, then the, the fruit, the vegetables, rather. Well, the fruit, yeah, we've got raspberries now. The vegetables won't be cheaper than the supermarket. But... As my mum pointed out this morning, they will be better. And she was telling me all about when I was a child, all the fruit and veg that they used to grow. My dad would plant it all, then clear off to work for the week. So she was left at home, as mums were then, cooking, baking, washing, ironing, <laughs> hanging out stuff on the line, housework. She did the decorating, all the painting around the house, because my dad worked six days a week, as people did then. And she tended the garden. All the fruit, they had raspberries, red currants, black currants, gooseberries, I remember that, peas, loads of stuff, uh, tomatoes in the greenhouse, cucumbers, cabbages, sprouts. I remember the sprouts covered in snow in the winter. Well, I remember as a kid thinking that was odd. But of course, it was cheap and a lot better to grow your own food back then. They had a huge garden, which we haven't got. But uh, we're doing our bit, though. <laughs> Spending a fortune on compost, peat-free, I hasten to add, because doesn't the peat come from Ireland? Mark, you'll know about this. Doesn't the peat come from, is it the peat bogs in Ireland? And it's not good to take the peat, is it? So it's peat-free compost. There we are. That's good. That's good news. And the sun is coming out and there's no wind, which is even better news, isn't it? Back to soldering for a minute. That was Jerry, wasn't it? I've heard from Jim Brent, not Brett. Um, yeah, Jerry was the soldering. That was a good one, Jerry. Yeah, I like that one about the soldering or soldering, as you call it over there in the US. Excellent. A lot of aeroplanes out now. The sun's shining. So it, where are we? It's now two. No, it's not. It's <laughs> well, it's 10 to 2 GMT. I've got the GMT, you know, the what do they call it these days? Universal time clock or something, UTC. So it's a 10 to 2, but it's 10 to 3. British summertime, all this clock changing business. I don't know why they bother. My sister-in-law and her husband went to France. Uh, was it last week? And we were doing the WhatsApp thing and they're an hour ahead of us. So they are two hours ahead of UTC, GMT, whatever. Two hours ahead out there. So it's all confusing. I, I have enough trouble working out what day it is, let alone having people muck up the time. So going back to cars, that's brilliant, Mark. As I said to you in my reply to your email, brings back memories. You remember Sunday, 
in the summer as a kid, you know, might, you might be five, six years old, you can still remember getting in the back of the car, no seat belts, no child seats, none of that stuff. <laughs> All dreadfully unsafe. All the kids would pile in the back. Mum has made the picnic, which is in the boot, or the trunk, as you point out, Mark. Yeah, the trunk, that's American, isn't it? I think that came from, they actually had a like a suitcase, a trunk, strapped on the back of the car, didn't they? That's why it was called the trunk. And the bonnet, of course, in America is the hood, isn't it? Here we call it a bonnet. Why is it called a bonnet? That's a lady's hat. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, there we are. It's all weird. So, yeah, we used to pile in the car. Mum would put the, the picnic in the boot and we'd drive off out into the country and it'd be lovely. Take a, a ball with us or something and we'd run about, have good fun, eat our sandwiches on a, on a rug in a field somewhere, <laughs> preferably not with sheep or bulls and cows and stuff. It really was good fun. I remember a friend of ours, he was always off out somewhere. He'd pop round on a Sunday morning, early-ish, half eight, nine o'clock. Let's go to the New Forest. You know, my dad would sort of look at him and say, well, uh, uh, that's miles away. No, no, it's only down the road, the New Forest. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how far it is, but it's a fair old distance. It's just north of the Isle of Wight. If you're not sure, if you're abroad and you're not sure, look at the Isle of Wight, go north, Hampshire, New Forest. It's lovely. It really is lovely down there. But the trouble is, by the time you've driven there and then had your picnic and the rest of it, you've then got to drive back. But this chap was always doing it. He'd turn up and say, let's go to Kent. Let's go to Dover. <laughs> and we never did. I don't know. I, I, I'm glad we did. I wouldn't want to. I don't want to spend half the, the Sunday driving. You know, it's my time off school. I didn't want to sit in the car for most of Sunday. I wanted to enjoy my free time, ready for the the dreaded, oh, on Monday, the torture chamber, back to school. Right, enough of school. You know I hate it. I was talking to my granddaughter. She was sitting next to me at the middle. Oh, bless her. She's 15 the other day. I said, how's school? All right. <laughs> they like that, aren't they? All right. I said, well, do you like it? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, no, seriously, you know, what? do you like it? She said, I do. I've got good friends and all that. She loves it there. I think what it is, they don't like to admit that they like school. Uh, I, I, I didn't mind admitting at all that I hated it. I used to pretend to be ill <laughs> on a Monday morning. Oh, oh my stomach. Oh, mum, I can't go to school. Yes, you can. Get out of bed. Go on, go to school. And I'd, I'd limp down the road. I knew she was watching from the lounge window. I'd limp down the road, clinging onto the wall as if I was uh, knocking at death's door, you know. And she didn't take any notice. I just had to go to school. Once I was out of sight of the house, I stood upright and walked briskly off to school, just trying to get a day off and it didn't work. <laughs> I wonder how many of you did that. Who bunked off school? I used to. At the senior school, every Friday afternoon, I've told you this, I got the cane. Every Friday afternoon, two o'clock after history, history was one till two, two o'clock was games, football. I, I was no good. I didn't want to do it. So I cleared off up the park and had a cigarette or two. <laughs> and some of the girls from the girls' school, which wasn't far from our school, they'd come to the park and have a cigarette or two. Of course, we'd meet the girls there, this friend of mine, and we'd meet these girls. And it was great. What were we, 14? Yeah, because I left school at 14 when I ripped my liver in half. Well, ruptured it, the medical term, ruptured liver. So I left school then, which was a result. So I must have been 13, 14. And we'd meet the girls on a Friday afternoon because they had their sports. And they didn't like it. They wanted to play netball. 
Who wants to play netball when you can meet the boys up the park and have a cigarette? <laughs> and uh, whatever else we did, I can't remember, which is just as well. I went out for the meal last night for Trisha's birthday, which was great. In the old days, people didn't go out for meals. When I was a kid, I don't remember people going out for meals all the time. They seem to do it a lot now. It's either a meal or a takeaway. I wonder with some people mentioning no names again, but one or two people I know, I just wonder, do they ever cook anything? Have they got anything in the kitchen, like a, a microwave or a, a cooker, whatever, a gas hob? They don't seem to do any cooking. They either eat out or get it delivered. Back in my day, people didn't do that. The only thing they did do was go to the fish and chip shop. Now, they were all over the place because they're dying out now. Price of fish and potatoes and whatever, batter and bits and bits. The price of gas to run the, you know, the big grill thing, the cooker. What's it called? I forget what it's called. You know, the, the chippery, the frying thing. The amount of gas that must take because they're huge containers, aren't they? Full of fat. They must take oodles of gas to run those things, all the electric ones. Amounts of electricity they must get through, because every night, frying tonight, wasn't it? Frying tonight, that was it. They, <laughs> they used to use old lard and stuff. And I remember some chip shops, they'd, uh, they'd use old engine oil, not old engine oil, engine oil, you know, because it was a lot cheaper than the proper stuff. I suppose engine oil was okay. It's what's in it? Probably chemicals in it these days, but back then I think it was just clean oil or they'd chuck that in the fryer <laughs> and lard and stuff. I dread to think what they threw in there to save money. But the chips were lovely. They were better than today's chips. It's like the, the old beer barrels. You couldn't open them, but you'd have a spanner made up so you could open the beer barrel. And do you remember Mild, Pint of Mild, that black beer? Not Guinness. This is Mild. It's a different thing. And they used to tip anything into the mild out of the drip trays. Someone left a, a bit of a beer and a glass. They'd collect the glasses. They'd tip them all into this bucket, the drip trays and everything. Then go down the cellar and tip it all into the mild barrel. And people that drank mild, they knew this happened. I remember the old boys, you know, I'd say, you know what they do? Oh, yeah, we know. It improves the taste, they used to say to me. It improves the taste of the mild. They put lemonade in there and all sorts. I don't know. I don't think they were happy days. I did try mild once. It was quite nice. Pint of mild. That's when I was first went to work. They used to go over the pub at lunchtime and have a pint of mild and egg and chips. And I think it was 17. No, it wasn't 17 and 6. I only earned £2, 10 shillings a week when I started as an, an apprentice. So it couldn't have been 17 and 6. That's a, a lot of my wages gone. Must have been 1 and 6, 1 and 7 pence. Whatever it was, it was good good value. Egg and chips and a pint of mild. <laughs> that was funny. Then two o'clock would come. That's when we had to be back at work. The pub was only over the road from where we worked. You know, it was line of sight, literally across the road, a few yards. So we'd sit in the pub looking out of the window and make sure the boss's car wasn't there. If we saw him come back, because sometimes he came back, he'd go out on his round. Sometime he came back early. And uh, then what we'd do is nip out of the pub and just go around the block. It was like a semicircle. We'd go around the block and sneak back into the workshop before he knew that we were we were late back. We'd sometimes sit in the pub. That would they close? They closed at, I can't remember what time. Oh, it was a hotel. That's right, because they closed at two. This was a hotel and they knew us. So they were open to residents. It was a pub, but and a hotel. 
but they classed us as residents because we were good customers and we only worked over the road. So we could sit there till 20 past two, half past two, drinking our pints of mild. <laughs> well, not, not all of them had mild. Some of them had bitter and uh, was lager out. I don't know when lager came around. When did lager appear in the pubs? Can't remember. I had for, with the meal last night, I had IPA. It said £4.25 on the menu. And I said to Tricia, how much? She said, well, that's not bad for a pint. I said, oh, no, I suppose that's not bad these days. Anyway, it turned up. It's a can. And it's not a, a Foster's type can. It's a small, is it 330 milli something or other? Fluid ounces. <laughs> Takes you back a bit, doesn't it? Millilitres. 330. Tiny can. And the chap said, would you like a glass? I said, yes, please. And he gave me this little glass. It's not even half a pint. £4.25. Struth. Trish said, are you going to have another drink? I said, he's joking. I can't afford it. She said, it's my birthday. So I had three cans. At £4.25 each. <laughs> oh dear, that hurt. That did hurt. It's that I know they've got to make their money. I know that. It's just that sometimes it seems that there's a bit of a rip-off going on somewhere. There goes a lorry going thundering past. Meant to be 30 miles an hour up these side streets. I'm going to end it here. Talking of beer, no, it's not beer time yet. It's a quarter past three. I'm going to end it here. The sun is lovely and there's blue sky over the South Downs there. Absolutely lovely day. So I'm going to go in the garden. Also, mother-in-law's downstairs. That's why I'm hiding up here. Shh, no, don't say that. <laughs> Actually, you know all the mother-in-law jokes. It was it, um, oh, who was it? I can't remember. Oh, Les Dawson. Les Dawson. All the mother-in-law jokes. My mum-in-law, I've got to be honest, she is lovely. She really is lovely. She's not like any of these mother-in-law jokes that Les Dawson and many other comedians used to talk about. So I shall go and see mother-in-law. She uh, comes round on a Saturday. Well, some of the family do. Sometimes we have 15 people here on a Saturday. I only had four, what, one, two, five, six today. And mother-in-law stays on after they've all gone. So I'm going to go and have a chat with her and a cup of tea and... Uh, perhaps plod on in the garden you take care thanks for listening if you've as i've said before if you endured this to the end look you've done nearly 55 minutes thank you it must have been really hard work for you i love it i hope you enjoy listening as much as i enjoy rabbiting i will see you on wednesday fingers crossed for some sunshine take care bye bye for now <laughs>